Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. And each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the Soul Kitchen. I am in Ecuador at the moment in the Amazon region in Tena or Tena. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful nature here. And I'm talking with Iris Nekeman today. And Iris lives in the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. It's one of the most biodiverse regions in the world. And recently, I met her at a conference of Earth Charter International. And we also went to a conference of the Club of Rome unexpectedly. And we also spent some time together in the Osa Peninsula. And I'm really curious to interview her about a wide range of themes, such as regenerative living, walking the talk, gift economy, death and life, embodying versus knowing. And she's also writing a book called Walking My Way Home. And in the projects that she's implementing, they're talking about eight forms of capital. So not only financial capital, but all different forms of, uh, of capital. Iris, it's so nice to uh, talk to you today. I'm curious, how do you feel right now, right here? Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, it was such a pleasure to meet you and actually have you over here in the OSA for a couple of days, getting to know you even better. And um, yeah, just experiencing how you're actually empowering so many people um, by doing this and, and hosting this podcast. Not only the people that, are listening to it but also actually me because um it's it it feels like some kind of coming out party for me as yeah you know um i've been doing this now for for a while but i haven't been talking with a lot of people about it uh so it's 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 an interesting challenge that i'm in today it's an interesting feeling and um a good stretch for me to to get my my thoughts in order as well uh to get my stories more straight so thank you. Yeah, yeah, totally. So my guests are typically very happy uh, that they can share their story. And it also challenges them to think about where they are in their life right now. Some of my guests, they've done podcasts, let's say before, but life keeps evolving. So where are you right now in your life? Oh, where I am right now in my life. So, yeah. Um I think I'm basically just here. Um, <laughs> and um, what I mean with that is I'm really trying to be completely present in order to sense what is showing up in my life that I can work with in the projects that we're doing, but also what I can do in my life in order to you know, keep taking another step towards living more regeneratively in, and, and, and reconnecting myself with with the greater than human world and that's basically where i maybe am in my life right now like in that process of just becoming more and more connected in um in the ways that that i've never been connected before to to the natural world 
simply because I, yeah, you know, I grew up in the Netherlands and in the ways that, that we're growing up and are, um, you know, like educated, it's not necessarily that there, there's a lot around, okay, how do you feel? Or how, how are you, um, you know, like connecting to, to, to the, na- the nature that you're walking around in? I mean, I love the nature always and I loved walking around in the woods and I always felt some kind of connection but now I'm really in this sense-making process of what what does this connection actually entail and what other things does it open in me um so um yeah why why is connection to nature so relevant um as I've been experiencing it is um we're all in this this vacuum with each other or in this space with each other that, that we're talking about climate change and the climate is changing um, and it is becoming more extreme uh, in, in certain cases and there are more people being just very challenged at this point in time in their ways of living um, and um, <clears throat> we're all like trying to find solutions and trying to find sol- and implement solutions that you know like help the people that are in those positions to to have a better living and us too like for our children to create a future that that we all you know believe can um yeah you know in which they can thrive through uh, thrive too so um but then in order to really, you know, be able to sense, okay, what kind of solutions are the best for me, are the best for my children, are the best for my grandchildren, and are the best for the greater than human world, you know, we have like the connection already to me, my children, and my grandchildren, like in some way often. But that fourth connection to the greater than human world is something that we we haven't been focusing on that much which is actually where where the the way of okay what how how can we assess a solution uh to be the best for the greater than human world you know comes from because it's it 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 has the effect on that greater than human world so in order to be able to find to, to to sense which solutions are actually like the best for the whole I just believe that we just need, really first need to come back to ourselves and our own re- out, our own connection to to our yeah you know like that thing that connects us as a human species to the greater than human world that we're just a part of we're not in the center we're just like just one of the many species we are with a big amount right now but you know um we yeah. are just one of the many so part of your message is that as humanity, we're not the only species uh, on Earth, but that we're part of a larger ecosystem. And you seem to make the shift from being a sustainability consultant to someone that actually applies regenerative living in, 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 in day-to-day life. Why have you made that shift and how does that look like? The reason I made that shift, um, I mean... In any point, and many people in 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 many points in our lives, we we realize we need to do things differently. I mean, you change your whole life around too. If I if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, in the way you're living right now, um, 
because you sensed something was was dissonant with the way you were dreaming life to be and the way your life actually was and you know um in order to to step into that life that that you dream it to be in the most beautiful way um you you kind of need to assess okay if i'm in this way of living this kind of system and structure of living does that allow me to actually move and step into that dream of of what i what i dream of um and if that's not the case then you know then it's something needs to change in you and you need to change or change your environment or whatever so for me that was a really big thing um in in me like okay i was telling people about what they should do and i was implementing it in the little steps in my life and then i started um i just um it just burned me out it simply just burned me out because i was so focused on okay telling people what to do whereas at that point in time i was what 26 years old and i was telling 40 year old people like what they should do in their lives whereas i didn't actually have that experience just yet so you know i was kind of like advising from from an empty bubble of yeah knowledge because i had a certificate which is you know like great but then also that that, that bubble was empty so i was i was pulling from something that wasn't there so yeah you know um it started draining me uh and um at some point all of a sudden i i wasn't able to like at some point work for a little bit um and i just started to do the things that i really like to do again which was taking walks in nature for a long time and spending time with family and a lot with friends and you know like enjoying life a little bit more instead of just advising people about what to do and it actually it made me a very very unattractive person to to, to be with because you know you're always in the advisory role like the, the know better role whereas we i didn't know better um i just knew something so um yeah um in that way uh i just started doing the things that i i i really like to do at that point just in those two weeks and all of a sudden i came onto a different um path of something was offered to me uh as a different job um on an island doing something in tourism working on regenerating cultures and i was like hmm okay that's interesting especially because my hair my family lineage is part of you know uh, that, that has been living on the island for for a while during like somewhere in the past so i could also learn about myself i was like wow that's like a, a good catch you know um yeah and slowly i started walking the talk more and i just started yeah just started noticing how how great it actually felt if you just start walking it instead of talking about it because it was just way more you know empowering to look back on things like oh i took another step you know like i picked my own berries today yay um <laughs> those little things um and, and knowing um, the person they're coming from 
and you've, so you've made this uh, shift and regenerative living. Uh, it still sounds like an abstract uh, term. So yeah. can you describe how an average day looks like in your life? Um, well, an average day always consists of taking care of myself for at least like, you know, a couple of hours per day, just choosing to, to be with me or do the things that outside of a work scope or project scope or whatever is just for me, fueling me, um, taking space, making headspace again to, to, to work again. Um, and that could be through exercise, that could be through yoga, that could be through just sitting or laying on my bed for 20 minutes because I feel tired. Um, and then a big part of it is just actually working with like making my own food, knowing where the food is coming from and feeling really grateful that, that they, that, that people just, you know, work so hard in order to, 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 to gift us with what they are producing. Um, so yeah, an average day consists of like what, an hour, maybe one and a half hours, two hours of cooking. And then, yeah, the rest just project work. I mean, it's also, yeah, I'm here to, to work on the projects that we're um, working on, which is all about creating different economic opportunities for, for local people here to move into a more solidarity economy, uh, economy. And that's also more focused on the bioregion instead of the, the global uh, economy of attracting tourism and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's a big part of my life too. Because every Saturday you organize a market where you empower local people to sell their uh, products. Can you share a bit more about that market and, and, and what they produce and where it comes from and what type of people they are? Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, that market, that's like, wow, it's so precious. Because um, it's um, something that started two years ago. It was activated by... Um, Trisha, um, the, the woman who is um, one of the members here at Los Garones. And um, the um, uh, way that we're act like empowering people is not necessarily by coming in and telling them what to do, but more like, hey, come here, inviting them to, to participate and um, see what shows up. And then now, after two years of producers coming more and more together and, you know, like have a, a bunch of local um, people that are really good friends of Trisha just because she's been living here for such a long time. Um, yeah, the producers are taking on the market themselves. And what you now see is not necessarily that there are a lot of clients. Um, but actually that the producers start buying from each other because at first they would just go to the grocery store to, you know, like buy their things they didn't have anymore. And now they start buying from each other again. So within this little thing around the market and attracting clients to connect with the producers, the producers are also more connecting to each other and becoming clients of one another. And sometimes trading, not necessarily with money, but just with products. So there's a whole new little system, if, you know, like just surfacing here, which is great. 
which is built on community connection and just trust that yeah one papaya is equal to to yeah. like two two gre two two uh buckets of uh culantro because you mentioned uh to me that you're looking at eight forms of capital and this is of course a slight distinction from traditional capitalism where you look at maybe financial capital uh, mainly so can you elaborate a bit on the eight forms of capital and how you implement this system yeah yeah so that's for the other project that i'm uh involved in um it's called the regenerosa collective and we're setting up a funding system for local people here that do really important work to uh, enhance community connection to um, preserve biodiversity um, and rich biodiversity in places where it needs enrichment and um, then um, yeah what we're doing there is not only inviting in financial capital but we actually want to invite in all the different capitals so which means that we invite in material capital we invite in social capital we invite in spiritual capital um, and then um, yeah there are like four others that we are working in uh, working with and also doing that in the accounting because if you only look at what one dollar uh, creates in, a, in, in the way that it re reciprocates in a dollar then it's kind of like a very scarce thing because that one dollar with that one dollar they might be able to buy you know one pair of scissors they might be able to uh, go with that scissors to uh, their their farm and actually cut something that they weren't able to cut before and this might be a very simple simple explanation but um, Im imagine how great that person feels then so then you know like you generate spiritual capital and then with that spiritual capital he might start you know activating some creativity to do something else and then it, there's a whole positive flow that just starts to to generate from that one dollar but if you just if you're not accounting in those multiple capitals and not thinking about them then investing into something like like regeneration um i can imagine is not that interesting for people also and because it's just not necessarily reciprocating in the amount that a stock market could do on the short yeah. term so eight forms of capital is a more holistic approach to decision making because the financial capital doesn't include how the earth is treated for instance uh, the advantage of money one of the advantages is that it's easy to measure right so you can make transactions because you can measure it and you can make decisions based on measurements so to what extent can you measure the other seven forms of capital quantitatively yeah, quantitatively, we're we're really. I'm really in a limbo space with that because that's mainly where where Trish and I, both members of the Regenerosa Collective and Higaronis, but yeah, it's it's a small place here. So, um, but what we're wondering about the most, if people ask us this um, when they want to invest, um, we're now. Trying, we're now going to experiment maybe with a one to five skill, but at the same time, um, in order to actually move towards this more regenerative world, we we might want to actually, you know, leave 
the mindset of the past behind. Because, um, yeah, maybe nature also doesn't always quantitate everything. And maybe nature just trusts, like, you know, trusts that what needs to happen with that thing starts happening because that's also, yeah, the energy that you put into it, it will generate the thing that, that is needed. Um, you're, you're suggesting that maybe it's better as a society that we shift from this quantitative approach to a more qualitative approach of, of measuring things. And some people say the good things in life can't be measured, right? Like love, it's hard to measure. But can you give a very specific example of how you qualitatively describe, for instance, social capital or spiritual capital? I actually want to ask you that because you have gained some spiritual capital uh, uh, here. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it right back to you. <laughs> yeah. for, for me, spiritual capital, in a, in a sense, it could, it could lead to a feeling of connectedness. So the, the, the feeling of separation between another human decreases and the feeling of separation between myself and, let's say, a tree or a bird or a river or a mountain and that feeling of connectedness could could lead to better treatment of each other and, and, and nature and it could also indeed shift the definition of success from for instance focusing on financial capital to also including like how connected you feel with yourself with other people with nature so that's kind of my my definition of, of, of spiritual capital how do, does it resonate with you yeah, very much, <laughs> very much, and it also spiritual capital is becoming more, for me, very much more um, capable of being able to, to be present and sense what's actually going on instead of think about what's going on, and and you know connect to that deeper voice inside that some of us call spirit, some of us call intuition, some of us call god the universe whatever um but yeah no, that that's also a very big part of spiritual capital for me because that's where the sensing? trust is evoked you talked about sensing a few times what is sensing so we have five senses maybe even six seven eight nine ten i don't know some people you know um and um it's it's diff like thinking is is different than sensing. Like sensing is you can see it, you can you know touch it. How does that feel uh, in your fingers? Um, what do you hear? Um, what what is the message that is not coming from your head, but maybe from a deeper space inside? Uh, that's those are things that that you can sense. They're way more in the observatory place instead of the thinking place where it's kind of more around controlling for me still um if i'm in my my th in my thoughts it's just you know like trying to put a sense like sense making whereas sensing is just observing and and from all the things that you can from all the senses that you have um, I, I, I see and which which one do you uh use most often or is most important to you? 
Um, listening, hearing, just hearing what people have to say and not necessarily responding or reacting, but just hearing it and then have it percolate a little bit and see what comes up in me. And then the first thing is actually the, the second then is just that intuition because then I'm going to ask myself, hey, okay, that's interesting because it evokes a reaction in me. Everything that people say can evoke a reaction in me. But then questioning first a little bit around, okay, is that actually the reaction to what that person is saying or is it actually something that is what is actually triggered in me and is that the thing that I then want to um, voice? Because um, sometimes so it's you, not. So you mentioned listening and I think... If I'm correct, you're also working in the medicine ceremony space. I don't know if you want to share something about it, but like, how do you hold space and how do you listen? Um, yeah, I think that um, holding space is something that is basically being silent and observe what is going on without stepping into the shoes of someone else. Um, I noticed in, in when my dad passed away, for example, a lot of people started to talk in the sense of, oh yeah, if I were in your shoes or, um, oh, it must be so tough for you. And those are actually not things that hold space for someone who is in a process and just needs to go through what they need to go through. So holding space, um, I've noticed, is just looking at, okay, how is that person doing? Um, what is he saying? And what is what in that is, is mine to do right now? Do I want to offer help? And ask if you if that person wants help or if he just wants to you know, like fence what he is, he, what he is thinking. Um, so that's a big part of me of holding space or for me in holding space. Um, not necessarily coming with solutions, but just being with that person, mm. which can be quite uncomfortable too, though. <laughs> yeah. So being and not necessarily doing or putting yourself yeah. in their shoes. Because you mentioned your, your father has passed away. How old were you when that happened? Uh, I was 20. You were 21, so you were relatively young. And uh, how has that experience shaped how you view life? Um, that connection to, like, uh, the, yeah, I learned that connection to myself and my connection to the earth and, like, being here, not necessarily always in my mind is the biggest um, how do I say that the biggest tool for living and actually living um, and that's also about that embodiment I mean we can talk about a lot of stuff but then are you doing it are you living it and are you do you feel alive do you feel like you're living I mean, do you feel like you're living right now? I do feel I'm uh, 
living and I'm trying to be present for this uh, interview. A conversation requires a lot of presence. But yes, I do feel I'm, I'm living. And sometimes when I have too many online calls, I don't feel I'm, I'm living because it's like keeps going. Uh, but when I'm in nature, I really feel I'm living. And, what, and where does it have to do with? Maybe stillness, certain stillness or certain wonder versus like kind of trying to achieve a result or trying to achieve an outcome. So it's a sense of wonder, a sense of stillness, a sense of being. Yeah. So for me, that what you, what you say right there, that has been the biggest lesson for me from, from what happened um, mm -hmm. at that point in time. Yeah. Can you share more about the process? I mean, for everyone, it's different. I mean, I, I share with you that my mom passed away when I was one. Yeah. We had a, a car accident, so it was very, let's say, very sudden and un unexpected. Uh, but how is the, can you share a bit more about the process with your father, if you want to? Well, I don't know how it was for you, but all of a sudden I was confronted with this concept of death. And I was always like, I always thought I was super scared of it because it's something that, oh, wow, if you're dead, then you're gone something like that because um, I didn't believe in like heaven and um, all of a sudden you're confronted with a concept and that just brings you into a totally different space because you're confronted with the thing that you really fear <laughs> and uh, that puts you and especially if it's one of your parents it's for me it just felt like a bowling ball just going through my feet because my whole foundation was just, you know, like it was gone. Um, I still have my mom, but you know, it's just, you always see your mom and dad together. And um, that actually evokes a whole process in me in which um, at first I, I was feeling in that week, in that week I was really, pre in the first week I was really present. And after a while, you know, after like two or three weeks, I was like, oh, yeah, I can go back to my normal life. And then my normal life didn't want to happen. I tried to go back to, to university um, and follow the course. And then I got super, super ill. I ended up in the hospital and I couldn't study again for a couple of weeks. And um, like the exam that I had, it... I couldn't pass it because I was too late and you know all the all the things that I actually wanted to do getting back on that life just stopped working it was just super super stupid because I wanted it to get back to my normal life so badly right and then yeah you're you're in the hospital for three weeks you're recovering for three weeks so at some point I was like yeah okay I'm I'm just giving up I'm I'm just gonna do it differently I just gonna I'm just gonna work for a little bit and deal with what is going on here and then support my mom in whatever is needed and my family. And yeah, from there, I'll just start studying next year again, because apparently this is not working. <laughs> mm. um, so I started doing that. And then all of a sudden things started to come al alive again. I became creative again. And um, there was a lot in um, the morning process that could take place and um, yeah because there was just space for it and I was with the people that were also in that that same kind of position but in totally different 
phases from time to time. So you really needed to learn how to work with each other and listen to each other. Because, yeah, you know, I could be sad and my brother could be angry. Um, so there's just there was just a lot going on. And that's where where that kind of, um, yeah, where, where the path for me started really clearly of being more present and learning how to listen. And um, afterwards, I started to follow also nonviolent communication courses because my mom was giving those and she was like, yeah, you can just join the training. And it was not like I had in that year anything else to do. So I just, you know, chose to participate in the training. And I was like, yeah, I, I could learn something about communication. And um, that that also even made it go deeper because nonviolent communication is not just a technique. It actually starts questioning you like, oh, how do you enter? How do you like receive the other, right? Um, and what does that do with you? So, but I didn't know. I thought I'm just gonna learn a technique, which is great. Um, but then <laughs> I got in that process. Um, yeah, and so from time to time, things just started. To, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds fun to do. And then, not knowing where I was getting myself into with like deep reflection moments or. Yeah, the 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 uh, facing traumas or whatever comes up in that space, and yeah, um, lucky enough being with people that were also always in that same space. Um, so you could you kind of had a hand and like support, uh, but yeah, um, just by trying out some fun things. <laughs> Thank you for sharing so so vulnerably. And one of the things you mentioned is that your foundation was removed but your mom was still there so i'm also interested like how did the family composition and your role in the family change after the passing of your dad i don't know how my brother and sister and my mom are seeing it but i just really sense that i really be i really felt very very responsible um for a long time actually up to a couple of months ago until I moved here and 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 needed to let that go because I was not physically in Holland anymore. Um, but yeah, I feel I felt very very responsible for them because I was the oldest. I was you know like dealing with paperwork. Um, if my mom needed help or something, you know, like I stepped into that role because I just wanted to support her. Um, yeah, so so yeah, it it kind of if. It made me a bit older, I guess, too, in many ways. And um, older, a bit or wiser. <laughs> <laughs> wiser, wiser, uh, wiser. Wiser, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. your level of responsibility uh, increased. And have you been experimenting with family constellations or it's not your Oh, cup of yeah, food? many. Yeah. Um, you want to share something it? about your experience? Have you ever done family constellations? I've done a short one uh, in Sweden at a Tantra festival. It was very powerful. And um, so I saw actually uh, my parents and then me and my mom was pregnant when we had the car accident. So I saw the four of them kind of playing the, the accident in in real life. And um, yeah, there were, were a lot of tears and sadness and emotions and yeah so that was very uh, i don't know touching to see and also surreal in a way 
but also the, the therapist put me in front of the unborn baby and then we had to look each other in the eyes. And then there was a lot of like crying for the two of us. So that connection was made more clear or was brought into my awareness. And it's only since recent times that I've been processing also that more, the, you know, the feeling of uh, being alone in that sense. So I have a brother and a sister for my second mother, but I'm alone from, let's say, my, my biological parents. So um, no, it definitely helped me bring, bring that into awareness. And it's always difficult to assess to what extent it helps or to what extent it brings you further into certain thoughts. Uh, but I do feel it's good to, to face these things. How's it been for you? Mm, it was very insightful and, and releasing. I don't know how it felt for you. Like afterwards, things started maybe moving and it was actually really interesting to see that yeah, with the constellation, um, that my that there was something happening in my family too. So I actually started recognizing the things that happened in my constellation into my my real life afterwards with my brother, my sister, and uh, my mom, which was very interesting. Um, and um, I'm actually doing it too for organizations and with organizations because it's it's such a big tool that we now have um and we are not aware of it but it can really release a lot of blockages in in ourselves and in our relationships and for me and my mom it also changed a lot of for me at least it changed my relationship to to my mom and to my family in in many ways because i was able to see what what was happening on the floor right and then your awareness increases and you can choose to do it differently it's not necessary that it automatically happens but you can choose to step into approaching that differently next time and approaching that person differently next time. And I think that's also a big part of why things change then because you start to do it different, then other people react to you differently. And that's just, um, I think, a big, big um, yeah, advantage of, of, have, of doing constellations. And did you consciously communicate certain things with your family members afterwards or did you kind of wait how things would emerge and change um no i'm quite open i'm actually just quite open if people want to know right it's the same with this podcast i'm like yeah i don't necessarily feel drawn to to do like this type of thing but if people ask me questions i i'm i'm not holding back to to tell them anything that 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 i think i shouldn't be telling them mm. i'm just sharing openly and yeah yeah i experienced a bit of a shift uh, in my family and but i was also more aware that i had still had things to process and i shared it with my family members and, and made kind of space for it because maybe other people are already beyond that how uh, did you make space for it i think by mentioning that i had done it and by uh I don't know, sharing that I felt a lot of release and sometimes tears around my mom. So I was also communicating that it's a topic or that it's part of my, my journey. Um, so I think that that has been uh, something that I, I had done. And I feel once you start doing this work, then also other people show up, you know, that I'm working with family constellation 
and this fascinating field uh, field opens. Uh, so I would like to spend some more time on it, but yeah, you really need to find a time and a place uh, to do it, right? So I haven't proactively uh, searched for it. Is this line of work? Huh? It also what? kind of needs to come onto your path, I think. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. there's a time true. and place for everything. In Sweden, it, yeah, it came to me. And then uh, I really felt connected to, to the therapist. I, I went one session, but then I wasn't chosen. So then after the in the break, I came to her like, hey, can I do it the next time? And then she picked me. Talking about the journey of walking home, uh, you're currently writing a book with the title Walking My Way Home. Uh, how did you get inspiration for that title? Uh, first, it was home. That, that was like two or three years ago. To be honest, I started this book nine years ago. So actually right after my dad started passed away i started writing not knowing where it was for but i was like yeah this needs to be written down because otherwise i'll forget or something that fear of otherwise i'll forget the memory or something um and then it just started evolving and um two years two years ago all of a sudden i felt like a title it should have a title like home um because it was about my home it's uh it's it's about me um but then you know being on that journey of the last two years moving like doing this big transition from hey i'm a sustainability consultant in amsterdam living pretty fancy life you know like i love the high heels and actually all those stuff to moving um to basically a barefooted life well you've seen me i mean <laughs> uh, barefooted in a space uh, or on flip-flops and um not really like do, still caring about how I look, but you know, being more in in the functional um, mindset of living and um, how that contributes to to everything that I'm surrounded with. Um, I was like, okay, but maybe I'm not home. Maybe I'm walking home because uh, I don't know where my home is. Because at this point in time, I'm here and I feel home. Um, but maybe I'll just feel at home somewhere else too. And um, then I, uh, I'm working here with uh, with um, a couple of people um, that are always uh, saying in every single way that that when we have a conflict um, after it, it's kind of a thing that that it's that they say, yeah, you know, guys, we're all just walking each other home. <laughs> And we all don't know what we're doing, but hey, together we at least take another step. And um, yeah, that's where I was like, yeah, I'm just walking my way home with a bunch of people. And you you mentioned that you're walking bare feet sometimes. And when I walk bare feet, I feel different compared to when I wear shoes. So to what extent is there a connection between walking bare feet and, and, and walking your way home? 
Well, first of all, if you walk bare feet, all your um, energy um, points in your feet are being massaged, basically. So, um, yeah, that's just super, super healthy for you to do. Um, and it uh, also kind of, yeah, just connects you to the soil, um, especially if you walk bare feet in the soil, which I never learned to do or was just super weird always. Um, but yeah, uh, so I really believe that walking bare feet more in, in natural environments um, just helps you to connect. Um simply because you're directly connected to the soil. Um, so that's that's a big thing. And then also, um, what I also noticed, for example, when I have my hands in the soil, um, there is just, you know, our skin is one of the biggest organs that can take up nutrients. So, yeah, there's also just a great thing around health that you're taking in nutrients, whereas you don't, you're not eating them or, you know, focusing on getting them in. So it's also kind of like a, yeah. In addition to that, um, I like, re I really like that element too. Mm. So walking bare feet is, uh, is highly recommended. Yeah. It really brings you into a different, uh, different zone. And when I think about walking my way home, I'm thinking about Ram Das, Ram Das, the former mm -hmm. Harvard guy, who had been on a, on a journey and, and at some point ended in India. And he has been an inspiration for many people around following your heart and following your path. Have you been inspired by him uh, as well? Um, yeah. Um, Bond. Whoa, switching to Dutch at this point. Um, but mainly in, in the love space. Because um, what Ram does, what I learned last uh, time, I got something in from, like a quote that I saw. Um, he was just saying, like, I'm not in love with you. When I'm in love, um, when I say I'm in love with you, I'm actually saying, seeing you and being with you, connecting to you opens the door to love me more. Because I am you and you are me. Um, and I really like that because what he also mentioned was saying I love you puts an indirect unconscious expectation on the other person um, and some kind of um, yeah imprinting almost. Whereas if you just say, hey, um, being connected with you opens the door to my heart to love me even more and therefore I can love you even more is a way a way different approach which I like it's a beautiful example it's a slight uh, slightly different uh, approach uh, to love and um, do you also talk about love in your in your book a little bit a little bit but I'm also wondering how do you see that like, how do you think, approach love and that topic? I think it's a beautiful example. I think maybe in the past, sometimes when I felt in love, I focused too much maybe on, oh, I love you. And then you also sometimes give yourself, I gave myself away too much or 
put too much attention to the to the other person. So it really resonates with me the things that you said, like when you love someone else, it's a, a door to love yourself more and vice vice versa. So I would say I'm in the middle of the, the process of let's say understanding that and and maybe embodying that uh, that more. Uh, so at an intellectual level, I uh, it really resonates. At, at a body level, I don't know if I'm if I'm there there yet. And that brings us to another question: like, what, in your opinion, is the difference between knowing and embodying? Um. Yeah. So, for me, knowing and embodying are totally different things, and it comes back to the, the to the capitals. If you, for me, if I know something, um, then that actually comes from the spiritual capital. Um, that's that intuition. That's when I know, because I know that that for me is just kind of like the truth for me, right? There are many truths. Um, and then um, around another type of knowing that we think is knowing a lot of times is based on the intellectual capital. And then that, in, but that intellectual capital that's actually fueled by education and everything that we are, at least from my point of view in scientific education, are learning is based on scientific research. And we haven't figured out the whole world yet in scientific research. So, how on earth can we, you know, um, know what is, uh, yeah going on there um if we're talking about knowing 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 and then we know something but then that's a different thing than um doing and embodying because when you embody something it's not necessarily that you just know but it's that you live it um and if you mainly for me, mainly live from the idea of, yeah, I know how to do things, um, but you're not necessarily doing it. You're not necessarily experimenting with actually, you know, what you know, then you just pretend to be awake, whereas you're still asleep because you're not doing it. And um, yeah, that's that's where we all keep on dreaming about this most beautiful world, but not necessarily stepping into it. Um, yeah, so that's so for is me. That, is that like the shift from knowing to embodying? Is that reflected in your shift from being a sustainability consultant versus like walking the talk at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's actually... I rather walk my talk right, right now than talking about my walking almost because um, there's so much beautiful things to do in this world that all the time that I spend on talking about those things, which is great from time to time, right? To, ex to share experiences. But then that time is, is going into sharing that experience. And if I do that too much, I can't walk anymore. So, you know, 
uh, and experiment with other things that I just like to experiment with and explore. And um, it's a, it it has been a big shift. And actually, for for the the biggest shift had shift has taken place in not telling people about what sustainability is and what regeneration is and what it entails, but actually applying it in my own life as much as possible um, and seeing what starts evolving from that and feeling and sensing and just, you know, like observing what is happening around me when I just um, apply it all to, to what I'm doing and then observe what ripple effect that creates in others. Um, which is, first of all, a way more positive ripple effect in the sense of it's way more fun because you can just, you know, tell about what you're about the good stuff and the bad stuff, but you can choose to share the bad stuff with a sense of lightness, of course, right? So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, I just noticed it's way more empowering to talk from, from, from your walk instead of walk from your talk. Because um, that's where we keep our our egos also like fueled and occupy ourselves with something that we're not necessarily doing but just talking about i can definitely imagine that when you change your habits and your behaviors that has a certain ripple effect on other people but can you give a specific example of someone that you might have influenced and and how that person changed Did I change you? I think you've definitely inspired me by becoming aware that regenerative living requires also to, to sit still and to make maybe make things simple. Uh, so you've definitely inspired me. I don't want to pretend that you've changed me already, uh, but you have definitely inspired me. And um, yeah, I'm curious if there's some someone else or another example of someone that came to the OSA or someone that watched your videos that, that you that you're aware of. Um. So yeah, um, I just noticed I'm not necessarily focusing on okay, did I change people? If you ask me if I inspire people, I, I I inspire a lot of people, and they and I only know that because they say it to me. Um, I'm not focused on it because it's not mine to. It's not my reason for being to inspire others. It's my reason for being just to to, you know, keep keep doing the thing that for me seems the most important, which is creating this regenerative world that 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 we can just all um, be in and with one another. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I am noticing that I'm inspiring a lot of people. Uh, and I do, I, I, I do see changes in the lives of people around me. But yeah, are those mine? Are those because of me? I mean, there are so many factors that inspire us. You know, you can go on a on a on a walk with your dog, and you know, be inspired by by a tree, and then have the most beautiful conversation with a person afterwards. And then, did that conversation change you, or was it actually the experience you had with that tree coming back to those capitals again? Right. So, um, yeah, 
it's there's so many different ways that we are inspired you never know whom you inspire but i think you definitely inspire people you've inspired me on on living a simple life and 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 uh, also with the eight forms of capital i was already aware of uh, that you can measure uh, things in different ways but it made it more specific and um one of the fears that people have in actually following their heart or maybe uh, living more in connection to nature and not having, let's say, a more traditional job, of course, is a uh, potential lack of financial resources. It's a common fear that people have. In my work as a, as a business coach for social entrepreneurs, I also have met many people with financial worries. So often I ask my guests, because uh, my guests typically follow their heart, like how they deal with that topic or how they, how they see that topic. So how is that for you? Um, well, from time to time, I'm really afraid that I don't have enough financial resources to sustain my life. Um, really, because I'm living here, um, like for the work that I do, I'm, I'm being maintained, literally, like I have a, 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 like a room to sleep in and um, living in the most beautiful place. Uh, on earth i can i can think of right now and um from time to time i'm also really provided with food um and then at the same time yes i just work on the side uh in the way that people uh want to work with me and can work with me so more based on the donation uh kind of way of um retribution um but then as well when that fear comes up, I'm just really uh, trying to become present with what I do have and what I actually only need. And if I then become really critical towards that fear, if that's a valid fear to have, um, with all the creativity that we all have in ourselves to find solutions for every single situation that that we're getting ourselves into. Um, if I'm able to do that, then I'm coming to this place of, of deep trust that everything will be all right. And um, I will always manage to, to, to find something to do, um, which is in service to my best version um, and that my best version can be in service to. But it's the trust. If you take away the idea that you need to make a certain amount of money, per month yeah but if you start with identifying what you actually need like uh, perhaps you want to sleep somewhere you want to eat like can you maybe specify what actually the things are that you need and how do you prioritize them and how do you bring them into your life well i'm very curious about this for you too since um yeah you've been you've been on the nomadic lifestyle for a while too <laughs> right um well, that's true yeah. i mean for me Sleeping is, of course, important. And uh, yeah, you can sleep in many different uh, ways. Uh, but it's nice to have a, have a bed. And eating and drinking, obviously, is uh, important. And um, yeah, for me, connectivity. Uh, so mobile um, uh, membership or subscription, my, my, my laptop. And in terms of clothing, I don't need a lot. I like to have clothing for a week. And then you can uh, reuse it. Um, and I'm noticing because I live in warmer places, I don't 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I walk bare feet. I don't wear a lot of socks. So the number of clothes that you need is, is reduced. I have to admit to be transparent or truthful is that I've been accumulating some experiences that are not necessarily uh, the cheapest. So I don't want to pretend that I've stripped away everything. Um, that's not what I want to pretend. But yeah, these are the, the key things that come into mind. And the health insurance for me is a nice feeling uh, to have. Uh, so how, how is this for you? Does this resonate or do you have other priorities? Um, it, it resonates a lot. And um, I think those are totally the steps that I've taken to. Um, reducing my amount of materials that I have. Um, reducing, um, yeah, the, 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 way, the ways that I am um, spending money on, on living costs. And then, um, you know, there's an interesting thing, but we all know that is that meat is just a super expensive one in food. Um, and I became, I started to eat more vegetarian because I, I didn't like the fish from the, from the Albert Heijn because that one is just like the cheap one is just the gross one and just like the chicken. So I I stopped eating meat in my student, like when I was a student still. So that saved a bunch. And then I also started to notice, well, there's actually not that much that you need if you just eat vegetables and, you know, like some eggs from time to time or whatever. Although that's not necessarily completely vegetarian, of course, maybe, but, you know, you, we can discuss that. Anyway, um, what really is the thing that I need is food a bed um, and uh, some clothing. But even that clothing can come from, you know, like a, a, a clothing exchange. Um, the food, you don't necessarily always have to buy with financial capital. Uh, you can also do a work trade for it. So from time to time, you know, like if someone takes me out to dinner, which actually happens a lot because they just, you know, really appreciate the work that I'm doing. That's also a thing. Like as soon as you, I, you just put yourself in service to what you really believe is, is the most important thing to do in this world. Like not thinking about necessarily the financial part of it. Um, if it, if it covers your basic needs, like food and, 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 and shelter, then people just start appreciating you. And um, that's just a really big thing, actually, around being becoming gifted with a lot of things. Um, so uh, yeah. So, mm, so, so in that way, I just wanted to uh, conclude with: there is a lot to do, and also work trading. Hmm. So when you put yourself in service to humanity, people come onto your way that uh, that support you. Recently, you got offered the education program at Earth Charter International by the president of the organization, Michael Brecken. Can you share yeah. a bit more how it was for you to visit the Earth Charter and the Club of Rome conference? Oh, wow, that was a journey. <laughs> it, was a, it, it was a fun one. And actually, it's all thanks to you, Jasper, because you invited me for those conferences by sharing uh, your abundance and actually inviting you know, um, me for the conference to join. 
uh, and uh, so it was something that I would have never paid for myself, but because you gave it to me, I went uh, because I just believed that there was something that I was like, okay, if this comes to my way, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna flow with it, and it's just gonna be fun. And it would have been like, like it was a chance to meet you uh, as well, so that was great. Um, so first of all. Um, I went in there with just being super uh, excited because you invited me for it and super excited to meet you. Then I also felt like a bit out of place because um, I used to work in that world a lot and can be able to, 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 to know how I should position myself basically or something. And then all of a sudden I noticed that throughout the last years, that I, I, you know, have been more walking my talk. I was like, yeah, I really don't know what my place is actually. So I was really uncomfortable too. Um, but um, yeah, in general, it was just a beautiful experience. There were beautiful, inspiring people. And um, then also a lot of talking. And uh, we were at the University of Peace. And the most, like, the we had a few uh, outside our room, which was just, wow, looking over the whole valley of San Jose, seeing the condors flying there. Um, and we were in, in the room for two days, not necessarily, like maybe have one walk in, intentional walk in nature and connecting. Um, and, then, and then we're talking, like these are organizations that talk about connection with the earth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and whole frameworks for it, so that was just like a bit of a, an irony that I felt in there. Like, oh, this is interesting, you know. Like, um, this is a new experience. This is a new insight. Um, and uh, we talked a lot about governance, and um, I was like, okay, that's also interesting because you know that governance is not necessarily a thing that that you can change right away. Um, and then, uh, and it takes a long process and it, it involves a lot of intellectual capital, which is super important to change governance at some point. But where are we talking about creating the examples that governance can actually, you know, make their governance on? Because of course, governance wants security. Yeah. And if, if you can only offer them that security, if you're just, um, yeah, presenting them with examples that work, right? Or don't work. Anyway. Um, so it was an interesting journey for me of, okay, this is a world where, where we're working top down and also the organizations are really still top down and there's just a lot of, um, work to do still in ourselves and the organizations that in the organizations that are actually striving for this. That was a, a, be a beautiful insight that I gained. Um, and then, um. I shared my story with um, with Michael Brecken and uh, his lovely, lovely, lovely uh, wife. And um, he was so inspired that he said, yeah, you should educate people about this. And I was like, yeah, I'm not in the position to educate. Like, I'm, I don't know. Um, and then uh, he, he just kind of pushed me a little bit more. And then he said, yeah, if you looked at the program of the Earth Charter of Education for Sustainable Development, and I was like, yeah, no. And, you know, I don't have the financial, I 
don't want to spend financial resources on a course like that because those $1,300, they can actually just go right here in the farmer's market when where I'm you know, supporting livelihoods of people that are living on the poverty line at, from time to time. So yeah, that's just not my choice right now. And um, then he was like, okay, but you know, like I think still your story should get out there and getting a certification is a great vehicle. So uh, um, yeah, there, I, I, in, in name of the earth charter kind of, he, he wanted to give that to me. And I, I was, I actually cried for, for, for like almost a minute of just surprise. Of surprise. That's incredible. That's a good example of what comes your way, right? When you have a good, uh, good ripple yeah. effect on, uh, on other people. And um, yeah, it has been very inspiring to listen to your your transition from advising other people how to live versus kind of walking the talk your, yourself. And also talking about uh, your book and the death of your father, embodying versus knowing, gift economy, eight forms of capital. A lot of wisdom in this uh, this episode. And if you reflect on, on your life uh, so far, what is kind of a summary or as we say in Soul Kitchen, kind of a recipe that you're willing to share with the, the listener? Um, it's, it's that part of start to walk instead of talk because um, you meet so many people that can inspire you by just doing things you know like going places you know i, I met you which i had never uh which hadn't happened probably maybe if if i would have just you know dipped my life in the netherlands in the way that i i was happy with it i mean i was happy but i always had this dissonance of that i had some that there's something greater to do for me and that's that like that sense of purpose that i was just you know feeling inside um, and when I just started walking towards, yeah, what I thought it might be, you know, like go with the flow of, I don't know what the future will hold, but I'm just going to trust it's good. Uh, and uh, start to walk it and start to take little steps every single time, um, starting to make my own food. And it just became so much more fun to talk about this whole part of this whole thing around sustainability and climate change. And of course, it's so. There, I feel a lot of compassion and respect to the people that are in really difficult situations because I really need to acknowledge that I'm living here in a paradise. Um, but I'm facing reality with locals here that are also in difficult situations, but not me necessarily. But uh, still, you know, this, this road towards a, a more regenerative living is not without hurdles, but uh, it definitely just empowers you so much and create so much more fun situations that you can look back mm -hmm. on and experiences that um yeah that are just the precious the most precious things that i mm -hmm. could have given myself in my entire life every single time yeah oh thank you for sharing your recipe i think it's a truly inspiring uh, message and i want to end the episode with with two questions that you can answer in one goal so the first one is is there anything else you want to share with the listener. And the second question is um, at Soul Kitchen, I also like to create community. So if people want to engage with you, if they want to collaborate with you, maybe if they want to come to the Osa Peninsula, can you also share practically how, how that works and how they can connect with you? Yeah, sure. Um, 
So first of all, yeah, I have one thing that um, I still I'm curious about, which is you ask me like about gifting, but um, then I'm just actually really interested in what's the biggest gift that you have received in the last months. Ah. Uh. And for me, also Peninsula specifically was really about uh, slowing down and feeling the, 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 the power of the jungle, the, the power of nature, really uh, slowing down and feeling connected to nature. And by creating this podcast, I've received some, some, some messages that people felt empowered and I've met incredible people. Uh, so that has been something that I could receive. And which capital is that? Ah, capital. I think that's social capital. And I haven't, I haven't read your framework, so I don't know exactly what all the eight cap forms are, but I think it's really social capital, nature capital, spiritual capital. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's what I just wanted to share still. Like life is so much more enriching if you just start to think in that multiple capital thing. So I would say it's called, it's called the eight forms of capital from, uh, it, it's actually, you know, grounded in the permaculture so it's actually grounded in the soil um and based on the earth um but that's really enriching and um it um makes your life way more meaningful because you're you're just realizing how rich you are and then um yeah if people want to get in touch with me yeah they can just uh look me up on LinkedIn or my Instagram. It's just my first name and my last name. Nothing, in, nothing complicated. And, uh, and also maybe mean if they want to volunteer, like, let's say they want to work with you. How does that yeah. look like? Yeah. And they can always, um, well, we're doing a couple of things right now here, which is we're accepting, um, or we're, we're, bringing in people from the outside, like from outside the Osa Peninsula in order to help us with projects. Um, and then you just get a stay with us. Uh, you're here in the community hub, which is like a, a super nice place. Um, and uh, where you can also just do some co-work if, or like um, digital work if you, if you have that on the side. And then uh, another thing is that you can digitally volunteer with us. Uh, we ha I'm working with like five or six digital volunteers right now too that are supporting us through the, 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 the more technical space or like the digital space. Um, and um, if you want to, yeah, contribute with any kind of capital, um, yeah, you can, you can always uh, contact us too if you feel like it just take in consideration the transport costs uh, transportation costs if you're gonna send over things but um yeah uh, there are multiple ways so just get in touch with me if you feel like that and yeah if you want to just visit the place we're hosting like a five-day regenerative tour along among all the local initiatives right here hosted by a local so she doesn't have to go into the corcovado national park for days away from her family but can just you know go home and spend time with mm -hmm. her family while she is um yeah con creating connection between people and the beautiful place that we're all part of well thank you very much uh, iris for all your wisdom and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode i think it was truly inspiring and um i hope to see you soon during the next episode 
Yeah, it was super, super lovely to uh, be in this space. Thank you for challenging me, Jasper. And thank mm -hmm. you for empowering me because you really did. I'm stepping out of this room. I'm super fueled, like fueled with so much energy. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I can totally imagine mm -hmm. that that startup founders and any people that need some coaching to be empowered can leverage <laughs> from your way of questioning. I love it. Thank you.